are from the Word of God, kind of continuing with uh, the theme that we've been looking at for some weeks now. Father, I just want to thank you, Spirit of the living God. I ask that you minister to us tonight from your Word and encourage our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. I titled this uh, message, Putting your righteousness to work. Putting your righteousness to work. God has blessed you with righteousness. That's a gift. It's called the gift of righteousness. God gave that to us. So you have righteousness, and your righteousness can produce fruit. And we read from Second Corinthians chapter 9, I believe verse 10, that one way to increase the fruits of your righteousness is to give. God gives you seeds to sow. And if you sow the seed, God will not only multiply the seed sown and bless you with the seed, the return for the seed that you've sown, but it will also increase the fruits of your righteousness. So what that tells us is that righteousness has fruits. And you can benefit from the fruits of righteousness. There's a story in the Old Testament. And I'd like us to turn to that story, uh, Second, uh, Second Kings. I'm going to read from verse 1 through 7. It says there, chapter 4, sorry, chapter 4, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. That means he was a righteous man. And the creditor is com- coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil." Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather, just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her. And she poured it out. Now it came, to pass some, it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So he ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. 
and you and your sons live on the rest. God's going to make a way for you to pay out your debts in Jesus' name. Tonight is the beginning of freedom from death. So you don't have to be in debt because God is able to free you from debt. So you don't have to be in debt at all. Your righteousness is what produces for you. But your mouth is tied to your destiny. The fruit of your righteousness, for the most part, I know the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So we have given. That's important. And then we have pursuing after righteousness that's increasing the righteousness of God around the world. That's important. But your destiny is tied to your mouth. Your destiny is tied to your mouth. If you look at this story, she came to, the, to Elisha, and she was in debt, and she was looking for a solution. You've got to help me. My husband was a righteous man, was a godly man. You know that. Just being godly doesn't mean you cannot be in debt or have difficulties or problems in your life. This man was a godly man. Elisha knew this man, but he was in trouble. Now she was looking for a solution. Now notice what was going to happen. My son, the, debtor is, the creditor is coming, and my children are going to be enslaved. You know what that means? Being in debt enslaves you. But notice something. The prophet said, what do you have? What, is, what we are saying tonight is your deliverance, what will bring you deliverance, you already have. God is already giving, giving it to you. What will bring you freedom from death? What will bring you freedom from emotional distress? What will bring you freedom from bondage? You already have with you. It is within you. It's not going to be coming from outside. God has already delivered that to you. You have it. And so the prophet asked, what do you have? Many times we're thinking of something big that will take care of the problem. But it's something that you already have that you can use to produce your deliverance. You already have it. Your mouth is tied to your destiny. Every man's destiny is at the mercy of his mouth. What you say, God will do. You remember the story in Numbers chapter 14. In the beginning actually from Numbers chapter 13. Moses has sent out Joshua, Caleb, and the rest of them into the land to spy the land and to bring words about the land. Now, Moses wasn't saying, let's go test to see if we're able to occupy the land. That wasn't the problem. He just wanted them to go see what great things God has prepared for them. As far as Moses was concerned, they were just to come back and bring a happy news for the people that it was a great land. And we're going in. But they went in seeing only from the natural. 
These guys came back, and, and, and I tell you what, this is a very funny story if you read it. And I'm inclined to go back to the story so you can read and see how Satan can deceive believers and rob them of their blessings. It's right there before your eyes. They had what it took to, get, to obtain this. But Satan gave them other view, and they lost it. I'd like us to turn to that scripture. It's really important. Go with me to Numbers chapter 20. Chapter 14. Let's look at chapter 13 first. Beginning from verse 27. Numbers 13, verse 27. They said, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. You know, they acknowledge what God has told them. They had never been there before, but God told them what was already there. It was in the guess what God had already told them. And they came back, truly, we saw what God said to us. What could that have meant to them? Meaning God has already given it to you. He told you the truth. They said, and this is, is fruit. They brought some fruit down. It was, they were very beautiful fruits. It's, but they said, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. They've started. They were not sent to, to determine the strength of the people. But their natural eyes were looking at the strength of the people. They said, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, the descendants of Enoch were there as well. We saw the descendants of Enoch. And then they described everyone that was living, the different groups of people that were living in the land. And Caleb immediately sought to stop them from going that way. Because sometimes you hear people talking. They are already going negative with the words. And you can't stop them no matter what you say. You try to stop them to go the right way because notice what they were saying in this place will determine whether they entered into the land or not. If someone could have stopped them from saying those words, they would have entered into the land, the promised land. But Caleb couldn't stop them. And this is the problem with, with the natural man. The natural man is aggressive because of what they see and what they've heard. And they say, well, well let's be real. Uh, this is what we're seeing. This is how we feel. And so we go by how we feel and what we really know in the natural. We're leaning to our own understanding. They were leaning to their own understanding. They were seeing with natural eyes. Caleb was seeing with spiritual eyes, believing what God has said and refusing to accept what he saw with his own eyes. He saw the same strong people. He saw the last cities. 
But Joshua said, stop this now. Let's go at once. Uh, Caleb said, let's go at once. Let's not delay. God's already given us. We've already spied the land. We can go at once. But, it says, the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people. That seals it. Once it comes out of your mouth, you haven't, they've not even tried. They haven't even tried just one bit. They had made up their minds. They were not able to do it. And that's the root of unbelief. And once it's down in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. And once it comes out of your mouth, you've sown the seed. And it's going to grow. It's going to destroy you. They said it with their mouth. We are not able to do it. We are not able to take the land. It says, we are not able to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we. Now, listen to what they're saying. The men are stronger than we, okay? There's something funny that I found in this scripture. I'm going, I'm going somewhere, amen? It says, And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, Now, they're speaking. The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Okay? And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Now, wait a minute now. If the land is flowing with milk and honey, how could they determine that the land was devouring the people? Have you thought about that? Does it mean the land was devouring the people and leaving only the giants? Naturally, if you want to think that way, I'll say, well, I'll just wait until the land devours all of them and we're moving. Right? <laughs> this is incredible. This, they said the, the people in the land, they're stronger than we are. But it's a land that devours the people. And it's a good land. That's the line. Those who walk in unbelief are really walking in confusion. They're confused. This is confusion. You say one thing here and then you say something else. A double-minded man is what? He's unstable in all his ways. And let not that man think he'll ever receive anything from God. You cannot be double-minded when it comes to the promise that God's giving to you. Once you are double-minded, you've defeated yourself. And your mouth is the tool with which to seal it. Your double-mindedness. And once it comes out of your mouth, it's all over. Again, God will always give you the things that come out of your mouth. Everything that you say is what God's going to do for you. What you claim God will do for you is what he's going to do for you. Especially when you're taking it from the scriptures. Your mouth is tied to your destiny. God will do to you what you believe is going to be done to you. What comes out of your mouth. So in Numbers chapter 14, verse 18, it says, 
God was speaking now, he said to Moses, say to them, as I live, if, notice this, this is, this is really important. Because sometimes we think, well, God's talking to them in the Old Testament. Now, look at the way he started speaking. As long as I'm alive, as God, this holds true. Please get that. Because he doesn't change. He will not change. That's why I'm saying your mouth is what produces for you. This is what will deliver to you the fruit of righteousness. If you put your mouth to work, you'll reap the fruits of righteousness. God says, as I live, in other words, as long as I'm alive, and God will not die, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing. Notice, every time you speak, God's listening. Can I hear an amen? Every time you speak, he's listening. When they were speaking, they didn't realize God was listening. But God was right there. Every time you speak a word, God's listening. But God says here, as I live, says the Lord. That's so important. When God says, when the scripture tells you God has said this, that means a law is being put in place. Says the Lord. As long as God lives as the king of the universe, this is what's going to happen. That's why this is so important tonight. What comes out of your mouth will determine your destiny. That's what he's saying. You are already righteous before God. How come some people are not enjoying the fruits of righteousness? Because of their tongue. What's coming out of their mouth? Why is it today in the world, preachers all around the world, you can look, those that have been preaching for years, I mean, those that are truly, they, that truly know the word of God and are truly speaking the word of God, watch what's happening to their lives. Many of you know about T.L. Osborne. I've been talking about him from this uh, pulpit. Now many of us know that he's going to be with the Lord. His last, his last words were, Lord, take me home. And that was it. It was 89 going 90. Because he believed the word of God. And had been speaking these words. God says, just as you have spoken in my ears, so I will do to you. What God hears, you say, that's what he's going to give to you. That's why it's never good to complain. Why is God allowing this? Have you heard people say this? Things like that? Why did God do this to me? Why did God allow this? And they keep speaking. That means you really don't have understanding. What I say is, you can think it because the thoughts will come through, come into you. Don't get impregnated by those words. And certainly don't speak those words. Because once you speak those words, you've given birth to it. Now you got the baby, you can leave it. It's your baby now. Now in the United States, if you give birth to a baby and you leave the baby and run, they, the police will come after you they, and they'll put you in jail for it. So you can't let it go. Proverbs 18 verse 20 talking about the fruits of righteousness. A man's stomach 
shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, it shall be filled. You didn't realize, or we, didn't re- we don't realize that the words we speak are seed. A man's stomach shall be satisfied with what comes out of his mouth, the fruit of his mouth. So your mouth produces fruit. You're righteous, you're made in the image of God, your mouth produces fruit. Now, we're not talking about not just saying things. Your, the quality of your life will depend on the quality of your words. What you cannot proclaim, you cannot claim. The quality of your life will be determined by the things that, are, that you are saying from your mouth. If you're constantly speaking sickness, you are going to be sick. The main thing is to transform your mind. Because, and so that the new thoughts of God goes into your heart and out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So you begin to speak the word of God so that you can produce something that's good for you. Many times in my own life when things are difficult, all I'm trying to do first is to change how I am thinking. If you think poverty, you are going to be poor. So your tongue is so important. Your tongue will produce. And so the Bible tells us death and life are in the power of the tongue. So when God's saying to you, your tongue can produce fruits for you. You can actually reap a harvest based on what you're saying. It tells us clearly there. The produce of your lips. So your, your mouth can actually go to the field and farm. And give you some produce. That's what it's saying. The produce of your lips. Your stomach will be filled with that. And then God goes further. In verse 21. He seals it with the principle behind this. He says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it. Will eat its fruit. That's not saying I'm not going to ever speak a word. That's not what it's saying. Speak the right words. Because you are righteous in God. Don't speak the wrong words because you are a righteous person. A righteous person shouldn't be speaking wrong words. You, shouldn't be, you should be speaking right words. And if you speak right words born from the scriptures, God is watching over his word. As he hears you speak, he will do it. That's what he said. He will do what comes out of your mouth. That's the most important thing. It's a great lesson for believers. You can feel it. But we are not natural beings. I mean, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So we should think spiritually. Thinking spiritually means we are thinking against nature. 
Especially when you see it in the word of God. So you overlook what you see in the natural and you begin to speak only what you see from the word of God. Because as you speak those words, God will hear it. And even though you got giants in the land, and even though the land devours its people, when you go in, you live large. Amen. That's what the scripture says. God will give you what he hears you saying. Get, if you don't get anything tonight, get that. Whatever God hears you saying, wherever you are, whether in the closet, what comes out of your mouth, that's what God's going to do for you. Man, I got to change the way I talk. Amen. <laughs> we don't realize this. You know, this thing about there is a God. Be conscious of that constantly. I get to remind myself. When I'm dealing with natural things and things are presenting themselves to me and, and then you become overwhelmed by what you're seeing and how you're feeling, the things you're hearing, the things that come in the mail and all of that. And then before long, you begin to think like natural man. That's the time to shake yourself like Samson. Amen. <laughs> and remember that you are anointed and begin to speak anointed words because God will work it out. You speak like David. Who is that dead dog? That dead that Philistine speaking against our God. I'm going to kill him. Amen. I'm going to kill him. You say it first before he's done. David was already saying, I'm going to kill that fellow. He came out of his mouth. What? God heard it. And God gave it to him. Why? Because he was a righteous man. Amen. The rest of them were running and screaming and saying, what is this? Why did God do this to us? Most, uh, David was looking for profit. He said, what will the king give to the man who kills this Philistine? He wasn't thinking about what the Philistine would do to him. He was thinking about what he, the fruit of his righteousness. The Philistine was his means of getting what he wanted. Amen. So he said, I'm going to kill him. So God's with us. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. That's why we must meditate on the word of God. God's told us that. It's so easy to, see, to speak the things that we see. You do it and I do it. We got to reverse ourselves and cancel those things with the blood of Jesus. It's from time to time, these things, they just come out of us. <laughs> Maybe I'm alone. I say it before I realize, oh boy, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> you guys are really spiritual. You never do that. <laughs> they come out of my mouth first and I say, boy, I want to take it back. I shouldn't have said that. Especially when somebody corrects me. Pastor, what did you just say? I say, oh, forgive me. <laughs> but there's hope with that. Amen. One thing I've realized, I can cancel what I say that I don't like. Amen? I really can. I do that with my dreams. If I dream a dream that I don't like, when I wake up, I tell the devil, that's not going to ever see the light of day. I cancel it with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's under the blood. Amen? 
when it's covered with the blood of Jesus, everything underneath there is good. Amen? So when I say something that I don't like, I cancel that stuff with the blood of Jesus. It's forever gone. So I can reverse myself. But death and life are in the power of the tongue. As powerful as death is, your tongue has control over it. You can imagine how that God's, God's the one telling us this. Revealing these things to us. That your tongue is so powerful. Especially when you are a righteous person. You know, I was sharing with my sons, uh, my son and uh, daughter, about Samuel. Remember Samuel? It says, God never allowed one word that he spoke to fall to the ground. You read that? Samuel. And when Samuel went to Bethlehem to anoint David, when they saw him coming, everybody was scared. They said, did you come in peace? Because if he said anything negative, they're done. If they said, in peace. He said, in peace. Oh, boy, they were glad about it. I'm sure everyone was going, hey, what's going on? The prophet, see, is coming, Samuel. Boy, we're in trouble. What's going on? So they send it, is it peace? Okay, we need to know because if he said something to you, it was going to be done. You know why? He was just like you, a righteous man. Remember the scriptures, what the Bible said. These things are, these things are mysteries, okay? Real serious mystery. But we compare spiritual things with spiritual things. And you see these things, the shadow of it in the Old Testament. How powerful these men were. And Samuel can just say a thing, almost like he's talking to you, and God confirms it. No matter what he says. Because he was a righteous man. It's like the story we just read. The prophet said to the woman, what can I do for you? He's not God. He's just a man. But he knew his position that he was righteous and he represents God. And God's doing the same thing in the world today. Preachers are able to say, God's going to change your situation. But people will say, Pastor said, well, Pastor said that. They don't see it as coming from the mouth of the one whom God has anointed. And so guess what? They see nothing. They see nothing. I shared the other time here that there are people today that pray. I'm not saying you can't do that. But they pray the God of their pastor. And guess what? God answers their prayers. Because God is really the God of their pastor. Right? If God is called the man, well, yeah. Is he perfect? No. But I'm rethinking that. Amen? I'm rethinking that word perfect. You know why I'm rethinking this? Because Jesus said, be you perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Am I right? Did he say that? And guess what? We're constantly saying we're not. I don't. It's gotten to me and I'm thinking, why do we say that? Why do we contradict what he said? Have you, have you thought about that? 
He said, be you perfect even as your heavenly father is perfect. But everything I've heard and what's come out of my mouth, we're not perfect. We're not perfect. We can't be perfect. We say that. But Jesus said that. I said, well, what's up with this? That's, that's where I'm at right now. I'm just giving you. That's where I'm at. I'm beginning to rethink that. Maybe we are really hurting ourselves by, I don't fully understand what he meant. But I don't want to contradict what he's saying. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why should I contradict what he's saying? Because I'm afraid of people watching me and saying, well, you're just like the rest of us. I don't know what he meant, but I would rather accept what he says. Amen? Because he said, I want you to be perfect even as your heavenly father is perfect. But in the church, we are being forced to claim that we can never be perfect. Even though Jesus said it, he, just thought, he was just saying something. I don't understand this. These are the things that trouble me. When I read the scriptures, you understand what I'm saying? I don't know what that fully means, but I want whatever Jesus was saying. And Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. I may not understand it, but I accept it. I want it for me. Amen. I want it for me. And if you find something that's not perfect in me, I go back to the healer. Amen. To build me up. But I don't want to contradict his words. I don't know what that's been doing to my life, you know. I'm not talking to you, but me, I don't know because I've said that often. I've said that often. And it feels like humility. And I'm wondering, am I being wrong for saying things like this? I mean, please, get me, get me right. I'm coming from the points of Jesus, okay? I'm coming from the point of Jesus. I really don't understand it, but I'm thinking it. Because I don't want to contradict what Jesus said. Have you, you follow what I'm saying? Why do we contradict him? Why do we say what he said is totally impossible when he said it? And you can read the context of it. Read it. He says, your father allows the rain, you know, on the just and the unjust. Therefore, you'll be perfect, even as your heavenly father is perfect. But we're constantly saying that. And I'm really, really wondering what, what I've done to myself. I don't fully understand it. It's something that I'm researching. But I've made a vow. I'm not going to be saying that anymore. God help me. Put a, put a stop to my mouth. I, I can understand and acknowledge it inside, but I don't want it coming out of my mouth. I don't know what he's doing when I contradict his words. Because God and his word are the same. Amen? God and his word are the same. Even if I don't understand it, I would rather be quiet <laughs> than to say it's not true. I don't think that's right. I'm never going there. Not when it came out of the mouth of Jesus. Amen. But your mouth, that's again where we're going. Your mouth holds the key. And what I'm believing is God doesn't tell you how long it will take for things to to begin to change. That's up to him. For the children of Israel, even though God said this to them, that what I've heard from you, I'll do to you, that's what I'm going to give you. It took 40 years, right? They were still in the wilderness for 40 years. Except that they were not going anywhere. <laughs> Just in there. But so God can change the situation if you use your tongue aright. So the tongue is the key. The people of faith must speak. We must always speak. 
you really cannot be a person of faith without speaking. Just not saying, I don't talk much, that's not going to cut it. You should be talking a lot. <laughs> Have you heard about Paul preaching? This is tough now. You heard about Paul preaching all night? And some man was sitting listening. And after a while he was saying, Paul, you talk too long. <laughs> he went into deep meditation. <laughs> <clears throat> it was really in the spirit. <laughs> it was listening to Paul in deep meditation and he fell, right? Remember the story? Paul was talking a lot. Paul spoke a lot. But they were words from the Holy Spirit that made him a giant. So people of faith must always speak. God will only commit to whatever you are able to declare boldly. If you cannot declare it, you don't believe it. That's just the truth. It's a big, it's a, there's a big gap between believing and being able to speak something publicly without fear. And if you cannot declare it, you truly don't believe it. What you may declare will be always be contrary because you don't believe it. But if you can declare it boldly, you commit God to what comes out of your mouth. If you can declare it boldly, that's how the prophet said, you remember, which, that's why I read that story. The prophet said, what can I do for you, Right? He's willing. Now, do this and do that. This is what's going to happen. He was bold. He didn't speak in secret. He was open. He declared what God was going to do. If he had fear, he would say, uh, Lady, it's just a little all you got. Hmm. Maybe I'll call some of my friends. And maybe they'll help you with more oil and all of that. No, he says, go borrow and just pour it. He told exactly what to do. Pour from this little jar, right? Even though it didn't make sense. She believed it, right? She took the words of the prophet, she acted on it, and she got a miracle. No question. If she had questions, she would have just taken maybe four or five pence, and that's it. And she wouldn't have been able to pay out her debt. But she took the word, and she did that because the little you have, you know, in James, it says the tongue is the smallest, the small, a small member in your body, but boasts of great things. That's that little all that she got. It's the anointing. Let it go with the word of God, and you reap a bunch of produce for you, your family, and everyone around you. I'm learning to speak. Amen. You know, in my book, I wrote this. I said, once you become a believer, you are ushered into a lifetime of discovery. And it's never ending. You're never, you're never there. Because God always has more to show us about life, about people, about his plan. So we cry out to him. I'm not satisfied, God. Show me more. 
Because once God has shown me, then I'm able to declare boldly without fear. And once you are able to declare boldly without fear, he seems like God comes through. You know, it's an amazing thing, and I've shared this story here before. I was in a, a, a lot of times. But just like you, it amazes me. That's why I said, spend some time praying in tongues. It's so important. Because what are you doing? You're still using the same tongue, right? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So what I do is I have what I want to, what I'm praying for in my mind. But what comes out of my mouth is tongues. What I'm desiring from God, which is too big, is huge, and to voice it out in English is tough because I'm not sure if I'm there yet, okay? So what I do, I fertilize those thoughts with my tongue, <laughs> oh, man, until I get to the place where I, it's no big deal anymore. God's going to answer me. Then I can boldly speak it. Amen? That's why the Bible tells us that you, building up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Because as you pray in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is changing your spiritual life, changing your mind, transforming your being so that you are strengthened in faith. And you, when you are strengthened in faith, you can speak and not be afraid. I was in Georgia, and this woman, you know, usually when I'm going to have a meeting, I'm, I pray a lot because I, I know, you know, we all struggle with this unbelief. So I do that until I lose completely of fear. It's, it's not like something comes upon you and you feel like, no, I'm no longer afraid. I've prayed, the time has come. And then the Holy Spirit takes over. <coughs> Excuse me. He takes over, and for some reason, the fear is not there. I can walk into the place and I see them bringing all the sick people and it's no big deal. I'm even glad to see the sick coming because I believe God's going to show some miracle here today. This is wonderful. If we don't have sick people, we won't have miracles. But I had this woman come with, to me. She had this little daughter and this daughter, she started crying immediately. It was after the service and I was up front praying for people. It was in a very large church and she walked up to me. She was crying. And she was saying, my daughter is completely, uh, uh, she's completely deaf in one ear, and the other ear, she's is almost gone. And she was looking at me, she couldn't really, possibly couldn't really hear what was going on, uh, because she was crying. And I felt uh, something inside of me, which I find, now realize is the compassion of Jesus Christ. You know what that means? Jesus had compassion on them, and he heals them. And uh, I was bothered by her tears, and I just said to her, lady, you better stop crying now. Please stop. Let's stop because God's going to heal uh, your daughter right now. I had no way of knowing that. I wasn't even thinking, what if she didn't get well? That wasn't in my thinking at all. I just believed she was going to be healed. So I put my finger in her ears and started praying. And I was yelling because somebody had told me uh, God does all these miracles in Africa, but in America it's different. So this time I was in America, I got to yell. <laughs> I'm kidding. 
But as I was praying for her, this man of God, and I heard this little girl saying to me, Sir, sir, you can say, she kept hitting me, Sir, you can stop now. I can hear you. That's the real man of God. I didn't even know what was going on. But everybody went, oh, they were happy. And I said, this is great, God. <laughs> you just let everybody know that I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> the little girl had to let me know that she's already healed. But the point is, you lose the fear. And you're able to speak without that fear. And that comes from God himself. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13, it says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, I believed, and therefore I, what? I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. If you are, are trusting in God, you speak. The thing is not to be quiet, but speak. Find those scriptures that meet your needs and begin to speak those scriptures. And if you can't speak them boldly at first, pray in tongues for a long time. So you strengthen your faith and, and it's better to speak it really loud so you hear it. You speak those scriptures loud so you hear it and the more you say it because life and death are in the power of the tongue and you are speaking words of life when you speak God's word what are you speaking life and when you yell it out your the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God you are speaking it and hearing it at the same time that's powerful. So it goes deep into your spirit. You pray in tongues a little bit. You speak and watch God, how he begins to change the circumstances. We are not supposed to be afraid of any mountain. Amen. We are not supposed to be afraid of any mountain because Jesus said, if you have faith, as small as a grain of mustard seed, you speak to this mountain and it be moved. It didn't say you will pray to this mountain, right? Or cry to the mountain. You speak to it. Your words from your mouth and from the mouth of Jesus to us that we can speak. It's a spirit of faith that God is giving to us. If you are born again, guess what you have? You have the spirit of faith. There is no born again Christian that doesn't have the spirit of faith. You cannot be born again without the spirit of faith. You have the spirit of faith. Give it voice. So you can reap the fruit of your righteousness. You have already been made righteous by God. And you have the spirit of faith. And if you are of the spirit of faith, you speak. And you can speak to those mountains. It's what you give, what you, what you speak, that you will receive. If you, and I'm going to close with this, continue next week. 
The Bible talks about religion. If you cannot speak the right words, James says, your religion is in vain. Your religion is meaningless. If you can't speak right words, you will make it. Listen to this. He says, if any among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is what? It's useless. In other words, have control over what you let out of your mouth. Because if you don't, your religion, your faith, your righteousness will be useless. It's not going to produce for you. This is your tongue, what you're saying. It's easy, you know, when we're upset, we just let lots of things come out. And we keep reinforcing those things, and we're thinking that we are people of feelings, but we are people of faith. You can change the way you feel by the, what you speak. You can change the way you feel by what you speak. And if you keep saying the negative things, that's exactly what you get. And it feels right to you. You will accept it. That's your portion because you keep saying it. But you can change the way you feel by what you speak. And as your, your whole body lines up, you position yourself, then God will give you what you speak. You know, God's love has nothing to do with feelings. God's love is an act of the will. God will to love. It's agape love. It has nothing to do with what we've done. You can never displease God. It's a willful love. He wills himself to love. So his love, he can't change, no matter what you do. And because he's loved us, we respond back in love. And if we respond back in agape love, guess what? The feelings follow. Try saying to the Lord, Lord, I love you. and say it so many times. After a while, I'm sure if you say that, if you said that a while, for a long time, before long you start weeping. Because you, come to, you begin to feel his presence. You can change anything. Because the Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. So when you use your tongue right, feelings part of life, right? We can't deny feelings. But if you use your tongue right, the right feelings will come. Because feelings are a good part of life. We want to feel good, right? That will be there. And everything that you need will be there. The Bible is very clear. Goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our lives. But many times we feel like, where is this goodness? And where is this mercy? Why, we, why do we feel that? Because we don't even acknowledge that they are there. We need to acknowledge that these things are around us. And as we acknowledge them, 
God will begin to produce in our lives. I have a lot that I'm going to share in this regard with the words because I'm going to let you know this for next week. Your words commit angels and put them to action. We'll we come talking about that. Stand up with me tonight. <coughs> Excuse me. It's time to start changing things. Amen? <laughs> the secret for me is this, and I, I, because God's put me here so I can share with you. I'm going to share with you from my life. When things confuse me, and many times I get very confused, I've never been a pastor until this time, okay? <laughs> so I'm dealing with things that confuse me many times. I'm still learning. I'm growing. But I have confidence. You know why? Because I can pray. When things confuse me, that's when I pray in tongues and I don't want anybody around because I yell in tongues. I yell in tongues really loud. And sometimes I'm not even aware of what I'm thinking at that point because I'm yelling. I'm sure Edith probably heard me yelling sometimes. She comes in. But I yell. And then I'll make my confessions. What I believe. Almost every day, almost every day, I say it from my mouth. I cannot be sick. Do I feel sick? Yeah, I never acknowledge it. I don't talk about it. don't like to talk about it about, to anybody. I just don't want to do that. And I'm not afraid that, okay, if something's going to happen to me sometime, and they'll say, well, pastor is sick. doesn't bother me. I'm not trying to prove anything. But I say it almost every day. And I say the same thing with poverty every day. I'm not going to be poor because it became poor for me. I'm not going to be weak. Uh, I'm going to live as long as I want to live. No cancer can destroy me. And you've heard me say this. I'm not going to be in an accident. I'm not just, don't think I'm trying to impress you. I'm really making my confession. You just happen to hear it. And I believe that God watches over his word to perform it. If you are employed, just say to yourself, I'm ne- there's never going to be a day that I'm going to be unemployed. As soon as you say that from your mouth, Satan will remind you, uh, your boss has been talking about letting some people go and you're probably one of them. <laughs> you know what you do then? Yell even louder. And don't believe what the boss says. In A&M, my boss was threatening and I was happy and my friends said, what's going on? Why are you so happy? Didn't you hear what he said? I told them he didn't hire me and he cannot fire me. And he never did. He, paid, he was still paying me after I graduated. He was still paying me. That's how God is. Put your hands up together and just acknowledge the Lord. Things are going to change. Don't pay attention to the difficulties. Unite in your family. Come together. That's why we're talking about family. Come together. Things are going to get better from now on. Can I hear an amen? Things are going to get better. Not worse. I know what the enemy has been speaking to you. It's going to go down. No. Not when God is in the boat with you. God can't go down and you can't go down. It's impossible. It's impossible. You can't go down. Not if you acknowledge God. The Lord is with you. The Lord is your shepherd. You will never want anything that's good. Never. Father, we thank you tonight. 
thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you because you watch over your word to perform it. And you're here with your people. Lord, we are growing. We are increasing. We're doing well. Our families are being blessed. You are adding to our number. You are bringing us together. We are being connected together to do your work. And we want to thank you for it. Lord, we ask that you give us the heart of an evangelist so we can reach out to the lost, to pursue after righteousness, to spread righteousness all over the world. Thank you for your love, O oh God. We give you praise tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, listen, don't be a forgetful hearer. Amen? What do we do tonight? From now on, just begin to practice it. Practice what the scripture says. Pick out a scripture and begin to say those scriptures. I will uh, encourage you to go to 2 Corinthians. If you are having financial difficulties, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I believe chapter 8, verse 9, and begin to read there. How God, through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, he made him poor so that we can become rich. Go into that. Begin to speak those scriptures that you can never be poor. Go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. If you don't have a home, begin to dream of building a home. Amen? Because God said you will build houses, not just one. Begin to speak, about, speak those things, and God will hear it. And what will he do? He'll do it. Amen? God bless you. We're dismissed.